Mic check, one, two, one, two. Earthquake in Brooklyn. The podcast that sits down with regular people, just like you and me, um, to find out what makes them tick and what makes them merry. Uh, my name is Lisa Samuels. I'm coming to you live from Sunnyside, Queens in New York. And I am just so overjoyed to be starting this podcast journey with all of you. I've been wanting to start a podcast for quite some time. The timing just never worked out, and I just never really had the courage. I wasn't sure if anyone would want to hear what I had to say, but I feel like since COVID and quarantine, I've really been thinking a lot about what my mission and my purpose here on Earth is and what's the best way to achieve that mission and purpose. And, you know, I think I'm a very positive person or positive poly, if you will. I like to make people feel good. I like to make people laugh and just generally be a source of bright and bubbly energy. So when I was thinking about that, it kind of slaps me in the face. And I don't know how it hasn't before, but I realized that I'm here to help people understand how to find their happy. Not happiness, but their happiness, because I think it is different for everyone. And I just hope that by talking to people about the things that get them all sorts of tickled, we can all start to awaken to our true sense of self, which is definitely in there buried under lots of bullshit. But at the end of the day, I think that being happy is such a raw thing. And every single human on this planet is on the quest for it, whether we realize it or not, and whether we find it in this lifetime or not. But happiness connects us together on a human level. And I think that, especially now, we all need to see each other on a level where we're not so different. Externally, yes, we are different. We have different experiences. But internally, we're not. And even if it doesn't manifest as the same kind of desires or the same kind of needs, It's all coming from the same place, which is our quest for happiness. And talking to my family and my friends and acquaintances, and hopefully as this thing picks up steam, I'll even get to talk with some strangers. I hope that we can just keep it funny and lighthearted, but explore some of those topics that might just unite us in more ways than one. So yeah, I guess... That's the pod, Uh, but before we dive in, I guess I should tell you a little bit about me. So as I mentioned, I live in Queens in Sunnyside. 
and I'm originally from Long Island, if you couldn't tell by my accent. I struggled with bipolar depression for a really long time, and obviously I still have it, but I have found ways to manage it, which have been super helpful for me. I, I was the owner of a yoga studio and wellness center in Astoria in Queens called The Happy House. Um, so you can tell that, you know, I don't, this is why I say I, I don't know how I didn't realize what my mission was before, but you can see that obviously spreading happiness is in my DNA. So we were open there for two years. I really loved it so much. And we formed such an amazing community. And I just got to meet so many amazing people and just create an atmosphere that was accepting and inclusive. And that's all I've ever wanted to do. But unfortunately, due to the ramifications of COVID, we did have to close our doors back in June. You know, that was pretty difficult for me. And I have a difficult time wearing my emotions on my sleeve. People ask me what's wrong. And, you know, sometimes I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's fine. But it was pretty depressing. We were really starting to hit our stride and we were starting to outgrow the space that we were in. But to be forced closed unexpectedly, where you think that that is really your life's work, it really sucks. It really sucks. But at the same time, I try to see two sides to every coin. And yeah, it was upsetting. It was very upsetting. But that forces you to take a step back and to see how you can adapt and what you can change. And that is how I'm here talking to you right now. Podcasts happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what that means. But here we are, like I said. <laughs> so yeah, that's me, me in a nutshell. Hopefully as this goes on, you'll get to learn a little bit more about me and vice versa. Just a little rundown of the podcast. It's gonna run like this. So every week we'll have our little pre show, which is pretty much just gonna be me rambling on again. But uh, that's what we're doing now, pretty much. Uh, I'm gonna do a tarot card poll, just one card just to kind of check in with the collective energy and maybe even bring in some ideas of what you can think about and what you can change and just some new energy vibes to welcome in. And tarot is something that makes me happy. And so I want to share it with everybody. I do, I call it therapy on a card because like I said, it's just unbiased. It's giving you the information and you can choose to do, choose what you will to do with it. But it's there and it doesn't lie, folks. It really doesn't. <laughs> So yeah, we'll start with the poll. Uh, as this thing picks up steam, also, I'd love to do some listener emails. Um, like I mentioned, connection is super important to me. And I want to expand the boundaries of my community, especially because I do want to start that individual level work, um, which I think is so important to help change the global level work that we really have to get started on. But yeah, I just want to know you guys. I want to talk to you. I want to hug you if I could. 
no, that was a little creepy. But yeah, I, I just want to connect. And I think seeing as this is the first episode, we don't have any emails. But as we continue, I will definitely put our contact information in the episode descriptions. And we'll figure out some fun topics that we can kind of talk about and go forward with. Then after we do our little pre-show, we'll dive into the interview. The interviews are great. They're super funny. And I just love talking to people in my life on a different level. Basically, during the interview, we'll have participants fill in the blank for their happiness statement, which is when they just say happiness is and tell us. (laughs) Hence the name of the podcast. From there, we'll just talk about life, how they live in, how they hang in, and how their happiness statement just impacts their daily life and assists them in achieving their goals and their dreams. And then we'll have the post show, uh, which we'll talk about the interview and how it relates to my five keys of happiness. So the five keys are keys that I've discovered on my own journey with bipolar depression, as I mentioned in the beginning. And they're just areas of life that I think happiness can be fit into or ways that we can find happiness by kind of incorporating them into our lives. So those five keys are acceptance, letting go, having your emotional support system, embracing your solitude, and taking action to implement these things in your life. So those will be in the post show. We'll go in more into depth in them. But yeah, that's just a basic uh, rundown. And if that sounds interesting to you, I hope that you'll stick with us. Now that that's out of the way, I guess we can dive right into our first tarot reading. And these readings are happening real time, so you'll probably hear some shuffling in the background. Yeah, real time. This is what we need to know right now. And I'm using the Rider Weight deck just for reference. That's like our traditional deck. And the last shuffle. I should probably edit this out, but I probably won't. All right. So let's come to our Rider Weight deck. Oh, interesting. Okay. So the card I drew for today was the Hermit. And the Hermit is a part of the major arcana, which are kind of like the cards that relate to our soul journey. And it's kind of like a very gray card. There's an old man with a staff and he's holding a lantern. Looks like he's standing on a mountain peak. He looks very solitary, but he also looks like he's on a quest. So to me, this card is just, it always represents going in inside turning your focus to kind of your path and your own journey and what's gonna guide the way for you, which I think is a great first card for this podcast, because we are talking about happiness. And that is ultimately what's what's lighting the way for our path. And even though there may be peaks and valleys and parts of our path suck asshole and parts of them are so wonderful. But that's how we really get to discover that happiness, that element 
that light that is at the core of our being. So I think that, yeah, wherever you can, just get introspective. I always recommend journaling, tarot. Like I said, it's therapy on a card. But yeah, what else can you do to get introspective? You can meditate. For me, I also find movement is really introspective. It's like moving meditation. So whether you like yoga or running or biking or hiking or whatever, what is going to bring you in to connect with yourself where everything else just kind of drowns away and you can really focus with and connect with that piece of yourself that is so that is accessed so often, especially in our crazy world that's happening right now. So yeah, the hermit, check it out, look it up if you want, but introspection is the name of the game, especially on our first episode here. And I'm so excited to announce our first guest. She is one of my best friends. We've known each other since we were about 19, maybe a little younger, give or take a couple years. Um, We're 34 now, so it's been a long friendship. Uh, But we really just started getting super close over the past six years or so. We've traveled together. We've road tripped. We've seen tons of concerts and We've hung out on the couch, we've gone and done lots of other crazy things, and just always a good time and lots of laughs. I think it's safe to say that she's like my soul sister, but she is leaving New York shortly to chase her dreams, quite literally, (laughs) and she's on search of her happiness in whatever form that may take, so... This was really a great time to sit down and chat with her because she is right in that crossroads where she is taking action and going to do what makes her happy, even if it sounds super unconventional. So that being said, please say hi to Nicole Marie, Sarah Michelle Geller, Akarina. Let us feel fun in every situation. Don't bad that's empty set in a decision. <laughs> My name is Nicole Marie, Sarah Michelle Acarina. Geller yeah. Acarina. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole Marie, Sarah Michelle Acarina. <laughs> Happiness is setting goals and accomplishing them. Or to me, it's like acting on desires and fulfilling them, I guess. And what are you? What are the <laughs> what are the desires that you're acting on these days? For a long time, I've wanted to get out of New York. I wanted to leave. I was born and raised here, so that's not always an easy leap to make. It's something I've known I've always wanted, though. About nine or so months ago, last fall, I was strongly considering moving out west, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to like San Diego, L.A., Sacramento, uh, Nevada, like I just didn't know where I wanted to kind of plant myself and establish roots. And I feel like the whole establishment of roots and finding a job that's like very, you're very committed to a place at that point. I just didn't know where I wanted that place to be. And I also think that I've had the desire for a while to just see more of the United States. I've traveled internationally a bit and I feel like there's just so much to see here in the U.S. that I haven't seen yet. (laughs) Wow, that sounds pretty awesome. 
Not no, it doesn't. You you hate it. <laughs> I do hate it because I. I mean, it, it's great. I feel like I love that. That's what happiness is to you, and you will be happy in this explore explorative phase of your life. But. I love New York and I don't ever want to leave and I don't ever want my best friend oh, to leave. <laughs> sure. I know. I know it's weird. It's definitely weird. But I feel like I wouldn't be surprised at all if I came back eventually. It's just right now, especially with the pandemic, like I'd rather be out like <laughs> out in the wilderness. I'd rather be out in the wilderness by myself. <laughs> I, I would. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you've always been like that, like pre-pandemic, though. You've always talked about how you would be so much happier if you just could, like, go off the grid and live in a one-room hut in the woods. I've been saying that, like, my whole life. Yeah. Well, now you have your one-room hut on wheels. Because I didn't mention before, but the way Nikki is going to see the U.S. is by traveling on... A converted mini bus that she's going to convert into a little tiny home. Her name is Blue Orchid. Her name is Blue Orchid. <laughs> I mean, why don't you tell us about how you came to that decision, aside from wanting to see the U.S.? Like, yeah. just even thinking about converting a mini bus into a home is yeah. not unusual these days, I guess. There, as you said, there's a whole community that does it, but. You know, it is still kind of rare and interesting to hear that. So how did you even come up with that? So I feel like the one of the, the fears that I have was like moving. Well, I had been thinking about it for probably like a year and a half moving out west. And the establishment of Roots Park kind of freaked me out. And it felt like a really big commitment. So recently I've been thinking, especially like dealing with the pandemic, like it's great to have the ability to just like live anywhere. And remote work has been become so common, and I think it's just going to be like become a more regular part of professional kind of work culture and become more acceptable and just almost standard to a certain extent. So especially like wanting the opportunity to explore entrepreneurship for the first time in my career and then to kind of wander and see things, it gives you a little bit more flexibility to travel and see things and spend times on farms for extended extended period of periods of time like I want to spend a month or so at a time on various types of farms to learn how to I have a desire to just like learn how to work the land a little bit and understand how all of that works and become like self-reliant if I needed to within communities sure but like just understand how to live without having to rely on everything that is at your fingertips when you live in a city yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good thing. So we have to be prepared for that apocalypse. <laughs> which, You'll be calling me up when yeah. she really hits the fan. <laughs> yeah, I will. I mean, we've made our plans for the zombie apocalypse, mm-hmm. but now you're going to have to come back and scoop me up in your bus. Because <laughs> I'm going to be like, oh, where do I go? Oh, I'm God. so not self-sufficient because I didn't learn how to work the lads. <laughs> I'll scoop you up. <laughs> yeah, you got to drive all the way back and scoop me up. I'll leave you with a machete before I hit the road so I know you can fend for yourself for a while. Yeah, I'll, I'll learn how to use it. <laughs> but you still got to come scoop up me for and my sure. cat. <laughs> because, I don't know. 
What do you think the zombie apocalypse would be like in the city? Terrifying. <laughs> Fucking terrifying. Gosh, I couldn't have enough guns. Like, yeah. God damn. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of people yeah. who could potentially turn into zombies. Yeah. But you we, always have to be looking out. Yeah, we won't be one of them now. Can animals turn into zombies? We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> like if Scout got bitten by a zombie and she turned into one, Scout's my cat. By the way. <laughs> I don't know. I just picture her like launching at my face. Yeah, that's again terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think I want to know what a zombie no, cat no, will look like. No, I'd be in the middle of the desert for this said zombie apocalypse than in the city. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Me too. Speaking of the zombie apocalypse, I noticed that you mentioned your full name in the beginning of the podcast, which is Nicole Marie Sarah Michelle <laughs> Acarina. But I feel like. The Sarah Michelle Geller part, like because she was a vampire slayer, you know, you could really channel that. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. I was like, what? You, you don't know that? I know. I know. Like, I feel like you could channel those name. vibes. Yeah. yeah. How did you choose that name? And does it make you happy? Because it makes me happy. Oh, it definitely makes me happy. And it's made me happy, like, my entire life. Like, um, when I was. 12, 13, whatever it age it is that you make your confirmation when you're raised Roman Catholic, you pick a name and it's usually the name of like a saint. And then that name is added just after your middle name. So my grandmother wanted Sarah and I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) so I said, I'm told that my family doesn't even know this. I told my family that I wanted Michelle just to kind of be a pain in the ass too. And I was like, let's hyphenate it and make it Sarah Michelle, 12 years old, in my head thinking of the vampire slayer (laughs) rather than St. Sarah and St. Michelle. Like I needed both saints. No, I just needed that vampire slayer. (laughs) Yeah, so Nicole Marie Sarah Michelle Agarina. Don't forget the hyphen. (laughs) Ooh, the hyphen. Yeah, you could channel that in the apocalypse. For sure. For sure. You have to learn how to wield a stake, but other than that, you'll be able to, you could learn that yeah. on your bus. <laughs> <laughs> Just practicing all I'm day, every like day. A, a to-do list for my trip of things that I need to accomplish, like personally, professionally, and number well, what, three or so. We'll be able to learn how to wield a stake. Yeah, that could come in handy personally and professionally. You don't, you don't know, you don't know who you're gonna be working with. And they'll know not to fuck with me. Yeah, like you couldn't wield a stake on someone in New York. I mean, it's happening. Yeah, that's true. It is happening. Sadly. Oh, is that the draw to the West? <laughs> that, <laughs> You're far, far away from the apocalypse. That's 90% of the reason why I'm doing this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, guys, I got to go. The, the apocalypse is near, and I'm not going to be here That's for it. That's what I should tell my parents. My parents are starting to come around to this idea. They are, but I feel like 
they think I'm just a crazy hippie. Like they don't understand it. And as well, I well, you are. It, you can be a cra- <laughs> you can be a crazy hippie and you know still have your parents understand it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to explain the whole entrepreneurship side of it, and then also like potential for work and potential projects out there. I feel like physically being there, I can work towards more with people than doing it from this this side of the tracks. I mean, if you don't mind, can you talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial ambitions with this? Because I think that that does factor into a huge part of being happy, especially out on the road and you can learn new skills and do different things. So what exactly are you planning to do with that? For sure. So I have a background in project management and program management and administration for large-scale infrastructure projects that are typically like economic development or and or social justice, criminal justice driven. And then I also have a background in emergency management, quite a bit of experience in projects as it relates to emergency response, preparedness, mitigation, pretty much the whole cycle when shit hits the fan you gotta deal with it you gotta clean it up you gotta prepare for the future learn from your mistakes etc so i started a business recently that is a consultant and freelance project management business called names nicole acarina integral management services (laughs) n-a-i-m-s don't forget the x (laughs) I can find work for myself at this point. Like I don't have a concrete answer when it comes to who I'm going to specifically work with. Like I haven't sourced many clients yet at this point, but I am really excited to kind of be able to put my feelers out there both while on the road and remotely and engage with projects and people where I'm aligned with the mission and passionate about what they're doing and have the ability to really drive things forward and make it happen. I just have a good feeling about it. It's weird. Like I've, I've had a lot of, a bit of doubt over the course of my career in certain aspects of it. And I feel like this is the first time I feel good about something. Like if I just take the risk, it's going to pay off. And I might not be working with many people at a given time. Maybe it's one client at a time, or maybe it's one project at a time. But I just know that it's going to be missions I'm more so aligned with than I may have been in the past or... I want to create things rather than like follow the lead of someone that I may not be completely in agreement with, whether that's like a political administration or other things like that without being too specific. Yeah. <laughs> you mean you don't want to drop any names? No, yet? no, we're not going to drop any names. <laughs> you can drop them later. Yeah, <laughs> oh my God. If you're listening, Billy D. We're just kidding. We're just kidding. <laughs> don't come for us. I don't think he's going to come for us. We're certainly not the only D-bag haters around here. That's true. And I know he's definitely listening to this. Chance. He's like in Gracie right now crying in Pissy's pants. One tear. <laughs> Why do they hate me? Why are they going to hate me over there in Suicide Queens? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes total sense, and you gotta do you. <laughs> like, I feel yeah. like happiness as I experiencing it is finding those things that make you tick, and if you're feeling dragged down, like, 
I always feel like if you feel like your soul is being sucked out of your asshole yeah. <laughs> at what you do, that's probably not the right place for you. Yeah. And I understand, like, people have to do what they got to do and stuff. For sure. But, you know. I've had work, the... Oops, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, work takes up so much of your time. Yep. That if you can find something that is just going to assist in making you happy, then you should. <laughs> it's true. I've, I've had a lot of really cool opportunities and opportunities to work with some like amazing teams. So I definitely value the experience that I have, but I kind of just want to take the next step with it. And even the city's not going anywhere. This city I love and then other cities out there as well. I feel like this pandemic has kind of turned the world upside down and a lot of people's priorities have changed and a lot of things have shifted. I'm not going to say that like the corporate world I'll never return or I'll never work for another administration within the city in the future. Maybe not the next one, maybe the one after that. We, you never know, but I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. But right now I just don't think that is the place for me. Yeah. Or now's the time to at least explore other options. And then if I come back in a year or so, then I realize, okay, well, I love the city. It's time to keep pushing forward. Yeah, for sure. So interesting, because I feel like you're literally, like, on the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> I'm on the pursuit of happiness. And that's it. <laughs> Kid Cuddy, don't sue us. That was less than 30 seconds. <laughs> I mean, you might want to edit that out either way. Yeah. No one wants to hear me say <laughs> I'm not going to edit it out. <laughs> but I think you can, like, if you use 30 seconds or less. That I think it's okay. Hi, kid. And even if someone's singing it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I'm not going to be the one to find out. Now's the time to be breaking laws, girl. <laughs> I don't want to wild, get, wild west here. I don't want to get a letter from Kid Cuddy <laughs> in a few weeks. Dear Kid Cuddy, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's it. So when did you decide that you were not entirely happy here in New York? A while ago, I want to say, I mean, I'm divorced and the person that I was married to, one of the things that really kind of, not to say it was a deal breaker, but maybe one of several, I guess, was the fact that I knew he never wanted to leave New York. And I knew I definitely wanted to. Where it was we were going to go, I was very much interested in living in Austin, Texas for a while, but then also wanted to explore the West Coast a bit to to see if there was anywhere out there. I always kind of had the, the mindset that it didn't need to be forever, but five, ten years, whatever, you know, however, whatever path life takes you on. And then when it comes to not being happy in New York, I would say I, I really came to terms with it or so, like a year, about a year ago. I just realized, like, I need to figure something else out. I was given a pretty good professional, like, business opportunity that ended up keeping me here. I started a new job back in December and then found a new place because I was making more. So it was just kind of like prolong the process. But I knew before taking that job that I was going to end up leaving. It was just a matter of kind of figuring out when and where really more specifically. Do you think that your other travels around the world, which I want you to talk about too, because those are amazing and super interesting and I feel like that has also contributed to you wanting to see more and maybe even 
contributed to your need to kind of follow your own path and like take the reins and you know just explore for sure for sure i think it has a lot to do with it yeah so what what inspired you to take your first major trip which was to cambodia yes yeah you're right what was that 2013 or so i had i don't know what it was about it like I had been doing some yoga and like exper- like experimenting with the more spiritual mindset for the first time in my life and figuring out what that all meant. And I just felt drawn for some reason to like Southeast Asia. And there was no one really at the time in my life that either had the ability or the desire to really travel that far. So I was just like, I'm not going to wait, wait for someone else to be able to do it with me or to convince someone else. Like I didn't want to waste energy on people in that way. And then if people don't want to take the trip, it's not the same experience for you as it is them. And it's just, I'd rather travel alone. Like I, I kind of was very comfortable almost with the idea of just doing it by myself and almost kind of preferred to. So I, that trip was with Habitat for Humanity. That was like, maybe I was out there for like two weeks or so. We built two houses and they're, sustainable homes there's a lot of flooding just outside of Phnom Penh so we built one that was pretty much like on stilts significantly elevated and then we built one out of bricks with like a really thick and sound cement slab foundation and that was really cool to me and like that was actually just before I got into the infrastructure world and it made me realize like like this <laughs> I, I feel like I can manage teams that are doing things like this and I feel like I just, in my free time I want to be making things and learning how to do new things so it was really cool I feel like it opened a lot of doors too because I you know and just knowing you as a person I feel like something that makes you happy it's just like being around and meeting new people mm-hmm. from all different types of backgrounds oh, yeah. and stuff so I feel like at least as far as my knowledge, that might have been like the first major experience where that happened for you. Absolutely. That was the first time in my life. I, I, maybe not my life, but internationally, yes. The first time in my life where I really experienced a culture that was just so different. And it was so intriguing because it was so different than I had ever experienced. Like I really spent time learning the history of of Cambodia in general and then like of the region and it was just really cool while I was out there I had an idea actually for like a and I started writing like a business plan I went on like a went down a crazy rabbit hole I should like pull out those notes there somewhere so like for um like a waste management kind of volunteer based nonprofit. because it's really terrible to see how there's just like no way to process waste there like there's just mountains upon mountains of like plastic and trash and they don't recycle and it's just being burned like fields of it is being burned shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a kind of a crazy left turn there maybe you could drive there in your bus i don't think i'd make it in my bus (laughs) can you fly your bus over there i don't know yeah probably not (laughs) but that does sound like a very worthy cause and something that's much needed yeah, maybe like one day <laughs> i feel like someone's probably already doing it true. trying you know true hopefully yeah yeah out there i got your back 
Gotcha back. Gotcha Me back. too, even though I know nothing of infrastructure <laughs> and management. If you need me, call me. If you need me, call me. <laughs> All right. So that was Cambodia. And a few years passed by. And then what did you decide to do? It was like a year and a half later. Oh, I mean, was it? Two years, I think you're right. I think it was 2015. Feels longer ago, actually. It does. I um went to Ghana. I thought about it. And I'm like, the next place that I want to see or like culturally, I want to experience be somewhere in Africa. And I didn't necessarily want to go like I would love to in the future, but like the more typical like safari kind of route or like South Africa or anything like that. I went to, to Ghana and flew into Accra and stayed. I went with IVHQ and stayed in a like little bungalow at the foot of a mountain in Dodua, Ghana. Sorry, what's IVHQ? That is a volunteer group. I'm trying to think International Volunteers HQ. I don't know if that means headquarters. I'm not really sure. I actually looked that up once and I don't know if I was able to find it. <laughs> but um, in Dodua, there was this. It's called Tans Potter's Village. Hey, queen. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> International volunteer. Hey, queen. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh. Well, at least I was part of a group that volunteered at Potter's Village in Dodua, which is a orphanage and like shelter place for uh, like abused women and orphaned children that were often like left behind in the most kind of traumatic and heartbreaking ways like when I had first gotten there there was a little boy Benedict and I said if I ever have a son his name will be Benedict that was only 18 months old and they found him like someone abandoned him in like a river and someone found him like right alongside a river I don't know if they put him in the river and he washed up. I, I have no idea, but someone found him and he was just like ridden with bites and like oh, malaria. And he was in their, one of their hospitals for like two months. And then they brought him to the orphanage and I got there like a week or two after. And I just like, they don't have diapers there. And he wasn't like, obviously like trained in any way yet. So I would just hold him and he would just key on me. I'm like, I just love you so much. I can't let you down. <laughs> I'm going to show you all the love you can be. Go Aww. ahead, and be. <laughs> That's, I mean, I don't even have words for that kind of story. It's, it's crazy. But how did you feel, like, returning from both of these trips? I, I feel mean, like it must have been life-changing in It was in definitely life-changing. Like, I would say the second one for me. I feel like a lot of people that I, I was there, not necessarily just there with or you speak to after you get back, everybody has such great sympathy. Like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe I'm stressed out about a cell phone for my kid when there's people who are over there. Like, un- I feel like almost the implication was as if these people aren't happy. And that's kind of something that I realized in life is that like, you don't need all that shit. Like you don't need any of the shit you need, like your basic needs to be met. Like these kids, a majority of them, both children, teenagers and adults, like these people are happy because they have water, they have food, they have shelter, they have all their, and they're being educated. Like they have all of their basic needs to be met. So I feel like it's almost like, 
doing them a disservice to come at them or greet them with sympathy. It's just, I feel like it's almost rude because mm-hmm. it's, they're happy. They don't know anything else. So you're the one that's complicated, living this complicated fucking unnecessary life. Like, don't bring that kind of energy into their space. Like, do what you can to help and help their community and to make things better. But don't, like, bring sympathy directly into that environment. I feel like it just, like, negatively impacts almost the culture. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's so interesting because it's so, like, one way of life is better than the other. And it's not better. It's just different. You know? (laughs) And I feel like we see that and are like, oh, I, I could never live like that or do that or whatever. And it's just like, you're putting down so many people. You're putting down people. Majority of the world, actually. It's incredibly <laughs> rude and condescending. You're putting down people. And to be honest, the closer I've been getting with, in some ways, like sometimes I backtrack, sometimes I progress, like in simplifying my life, the happier I am. Yeah. You don't need all the extra shit. No, it just makes things convenient, but you don't need it. No. People have lived for centuries upon centuries without it. it. Yep. So it's, it's all, I feel like that's a whole other conversation, yeah. but it is very interesting, especially as it relates to happiness, mm-hmm. because my mission with this podcast is to just find out what happiness means to different people. And I feel like I can guarantee no one is going to say my cell phone or my computer it's gonna be like all different kinds of things that you can do and explore and you know and I think that that's just something to to put in your pipe and smoke (laughs) (laughs) no but in all seriousness I think that's cool and then like did those trips kind of I know they were a while ago, but did that sort of morph into like a desire to see more and a desire to simplify and you yeah, know. absolutely on both fronts. Like I, that kind of pushed my like I started to think more about what is out there and be interested in like engaging with people who are from different walks of life, like whether that's even just on the day to day within New York or just in travels like to to actually take time to encounter people and to understand the way that they've lived and the way that they are currently living it's something that's i find super interesting and intriguing and something that i want to continue to do more what was the other question (laughs) (laughs) i think that was it it was like just a desire to see more and live a simpler life and i don't know yeah (laughs) when it comes to like simpler life i've definitely over the last few years gone on a few like minimalism kicks and like at one point it was super important to me and I was getting rid of stuff I was purging trying to really rock my brain about like things that you actually need versus nice to have so I think over time I've realized that for a while I love shopping and like I built a pretty fucking cool wardrobe and like I'll minimalize especially moving into bus life but like I'm gonna save some of my <laughs> well you have to save some of your yeah, clothes like more than some I'll probably store a couple of bins full of fun stuff <laughs> you just become a nudist on your bus I would love that Woo! throwing that. all your clothes onto the highway <laughs> zero clothes I show up to this podcast naked <laughs> she is folks she is. <laughs> just kidding just but. covering my nipples with some pasties <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. This may be redundant, but I feel like at the end of the day, how do you feel that all of these life experiences have contributed to your like happiness meter? Like at a scale of one to 10. Oh, the experiences on the happiness meter, I would say like nine. And like when I come back home and settle into what we call reality, I start to, my happiness level starts to plummet. Yeah. Um, And it's maybe just because like here right now isn't for me and hasn't been for me for a while. And like we've known that, but after coming back from experiences like that, like even when I went to Peru back in November, like that wasn't a great trip. I had a pretty rough trip, but in the best fucking way. Like, I feel like I learned so much from that trip and it wasn't easy. And I don't expect this to be easy either. So you mentioned your trip to Peru as well. And that was like the third major trip that you took outside of the U.S. Am I correct? Yeah. (laughs) this is fucking interrogation (laughs) where were you (laughs) I am a lie detector test Um, that is correct this past year when I left EBC I left around September or so and I decided as soon as I was offered another job I pretty much booked a trip I told them I couldn't start in like for like three and a half four weeks and I booked a trip to Peru to leave like five days later. Oh shit! Peru, <laughs> uh, yeah, Peru in five days, and my plan was to be there for three weeks. Do you love leaving the country? I'm short. No, I do. I love fleeing the scene. I love fleeing every scene. <laughs> you do. You're like, oh, Peru tomorrow. All right, let's go. Yeah, let's go, my dog. <laughs> yeah, so I went there. I spent some a day in Cusco. And I spent a couple of days in the jungle with a group called Peru Shamans. They specialize in like ancient plant medicine. I did two ayahuasca ceremonies. And then I spent a couple of days in Huacachina, which is in the desert, and then ended up getting very sick. I went back to Lima and planned to volunteer for a week in Lima, but I ended up really sick and just going home early. Okay, so... Why don't you talk about your shaman experience? Sure. It was it was interesting. I was there by myself. Um, it was a retreat center. Um, definitely nothing fancy. Uh, perfect for what we needed, but bungalow-type space. Um, I was on a strict diet 10 days before. You have to do, like, a not a fast, but, like, a detox 10 days before an ayahuasca ceremony, so I did that, and then I fasted for, like, a few days as well. I was only eating, drinking water and, like, tea, have, like, an apple a day if I was really feeling faint or something. Uh, but I did two ayahuasca ceremonies, and both of them, I had a translator, a shaman, and a nurse, and the nurse would, like, check your vitals before, and then, like, before she left you for the evening, she would check everything again just to make sure you were, like, okay to be alone <laughs> the nurse was tripping balls yeah oh my goodness she's the like i gotta night. go i'm gonna go do a bunch <laughs> of shrooms <laughs> no it felt terrible actually the first night the first experience i was really feeling the ayahuasca of course and it was pouring rain like it was a torrential downpour outside and i'm in like the cement little butt with them and she had her daughter there 
upstairs in like the little bungalow house and it was like whipping pouring rain super windy and in like my super is it high ayahuasca high i don't know what you call it because i definitely consider it medicine ayahuasca state i don't know how you phrase it but in that state, I kept saying to her, go be with your daughter. You don't need to be with me. Be with your daughter. <laughs> she has to be so scared. Go be with your daughter. <laughs> is it a trip, though? I feel like it's it, like peyote is medicinal, but it That's makes true. you trip. I guess it is a trip. Yeah. I mean, it certainly felt like one. Yeah. Um, the, the way it works is that, like, you take the medicine and... They do these chants and they try and help like guide the medicine through you and help guide you. And like they can feel what you're going through. So like you usually have a couple of hours of like a purge experience and then a couple of hours of like reflection. And the first night I really, really fought it. It was painful. Like I battled it and it was something that I was really scared of doing. because I like, I like to be in control. Like when I've, when I drink alcohol, which I do frequently, I like to be in control. Like when I do any sort of drugs, like I like to do small amounts because I like to be in control um, with the ayahuasca and actually like releasing all of me to be, be strangers and like putting my life essentially in their hands was really daunting and frightening to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so as much as I was like mentally preparing for the experience and had spoken to like the translator about it, the shaman about it. I was fearful that when in the situation I would fight it, and I did. And the shaman said that at, at one point he just gave up because he didn't think that there was anything that he can do to like allow me to to just surrender, Release. yeah, surrender to to the experience. Um, wow, shaman! Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it was a painful experience because I was just battling it. Um, and he said, like, all of this and the whole process, which is so true, takes work. You're not just going to start purging. You need to feel it. You need to help. You need to do your part as well. That's like life. Yeah. You need to feel your shit. Yeah. yeah. You've got to feel it to be able to release it. <laughs> <laughs> the next night, I almost chickened out. I was really scared. I didn't want to do a second ceremony. I just, it, it poured the whole t- next day, too, so, like, I was like a whole night and barely slept and, you know, it was just raining. So like we planned to go on a hike and do just some outdoorsy stuff and that got canceled. So I was just like sitting in a room by myself, like journaling and napping off and on and getting into my head about the next night. And I just kept reciting and rewriting my intentions and tweaking them and reminding myself why I was there and what I was looking to get out of it. I've, been through a handful of situations in life that, as everybody has, um, were difficult. And I feel like I always had an issue with letting, not letting go, but truly forgiving. And, um, like I was looking to come out of that with an openness to truly forgive. Um, and to move well, on. that's kind of the same thing as letting go, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not to get into semantics. Yeah. I mean, Because if you hold on, you're not forgiving. That's like a grudge, you know? I'm the type of person where I'd want to forgive, but I don't, I'm okay with not forgetting. Yeah. Because you shouldn't forget because you can't let people take advantage of you. You know, like if you have a behavior, you need to to not just let it go every time. For sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it was a it was a great experience. It was I probably cried more in two days than I had in like the ten years before. <laughs> it was really intense. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds intense. It sounds scary to me. Yeah, it was scary. There was definitely one point, especially when it started to kick in the first night I did it, and I'm sitting in this really dark, damp room and they put these like taxidermy reptiles all around you mm, why I, I don't know like you end up seeing them in the visions but it was pretty scary so like they they have these like taxidermy animals around you and that seems like i i feel like if you're gonna be tripping that's like the worst yeah. thing you could yeah. have you have to keep your eyes closed if you open your eyes on ayahuasca you just almost feel like you're like really drunk like you feel like spinny and just like really uncomfortable looking around in that setting that's why like you have to have a guide take you to the bathroom and usually by the time you get to the bathroom you're like vomiting and shitting just because it gives you like it really gives you the spins and you're all disoriented um Oh, I forgot what my point was. I started to talk about the taxidermy. Oh, I had a moment, though, where I where it started to kick in, where I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Why the fuck am I here? I'm by myself in this damp cement room with these lizards around me. I just took something that's going to make me trip and lose control. These are strangers. I'm in the middle of the jungle. Nobody knows where I am. Like, they're going to take my liver. Like, I just, I really got into my own head a little bit. And I was like, I am, like, this is the end for me. And I made this choice. <laughs> well, they didn't get your liver. No, I still they, got my liver. They definitely got one of your kidneys. Yeah, so. they, did. <laughs> they did. Good thing you can live without both. Uh-huh. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I, I feel like if I was going to do a drug, that would be like, one that I would consider just because I know it is like very spiritual and yeah, I feel like sometimes I just want to know what I need to know, but it's scary and I'm fine doing the journey on my own, (laughs) you know, but yeah. It definitely speeds up a lot of processes of self-exploration for sure. Like I've heard that it, it has, the same effects of like 10 years of seeing a therapist. Which yeah. I can see. But I definitely understand why people would prefer to just do that themselves <laughs> than prefer like torturing their mind. Yeah. And body. <laughs> <laughs> like the body, the, the purging the second night was pretty, pretty nasty. Yeah. It's like roaring the devil out of me. Aw. Like physically. Yeah. I feel like it depends on the culture, but I don't know. I just feel like. In the next life, like, all of that might be erased, you know. But I guess the next life doesn't matter right now. No, exactly. I'm working <laughs> but on it this. will matter. I'm working on this life, not that one. You should be working on both. <laughs> <laughs> because your soul is the one that matters. I'm getting all creepy. All right. <laughs> all right. So Peru, it was an interesting time. You got real, real sick. Like, for the whole trip. Yeah, it was, I was pretty much sick the whole trip. Um, I, when I was in Wapachino, which is like a desert town in Peru, I had a weird 
encounter with like a local guy there that was a little aggressive and I made some poor decisions too and it just wasn't a good experience and then I got on the bus and when I got off the bus in Lima I was sick so it was really difficult getting home too like I stupidly booked through Expedia and Expedia lost my JetBlue reservation for my second flight and then told me I had to call JetBlue. JetBlue had my reservation but told me I need to, needed to reschedule to move it up through Expedia. It was just literally a nightmare of like six hours on the phone yeah. while sick, just trying to get out of there. Like I remember I, that. I at one point called, you were helping me. My parents were helping me. I at one point called my parents and was like, and you know, I never asked for, it's rare for me to like ask for help in those extreme situations. Like, yeah. What, you know what I mean? I was just like, help. I need help getting home. Like, yeah. It's not a good feeling, especially when you're ill. Yeah. But it was, it was a good trip, though, overall. Like, I look back on it as, like, a positive experience because I feel like in a number of ways it was, like, a learning experience. And anything, like, challenging and hard, you're, you're coming out of it with some valuable lessons, even if it was just, like, wow, that was kind of hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's those experiences that Maybe make you learn. Yeah. yeah. The positivity is great, but you need the opposite to push you forward. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. how do you learn, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. All right. Well, that was pretty eventful. Yeah. (laughs) Not as wonderful as, I mean, it was good, but your other trips were just different, you know? Yeah. I mean, my other trips. I feel like this one was more for you, and the other trips were, like, to help other people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I didn't mention how when I went to Ghana, a woman, a young woman, choke slammed me up against a tree, like grabbed me by the throat and pushed me against the tree. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely been ups and downs and moments in my travels where I felt that my safety was at risk, but it's all part of it. Yeah. You're taking a risk a lot of the time. You're yeah. Doing shit like this. You You're right. You have to be mindful and you have to be careful and try and put yourself limit your exposure to high risks but yeah for sure yeah i want to backtrack a little bit because we didn't get to talk about burning man oh yeah and i think that at least the way i view it as an outsider like i feel like your first experience with burning man and even more so your second has really been a big impetus and inspiration for your bus travels yeah. would i be correct in assuming that oh my that? god i'm still under interrogation <laughs> yes you are would correct. i fucking be correct you are correct. You are correct i wish i had a police light to oh, shine in your face I walk out the door uh, <laughs> no it definitely did the first time i went i decided to go on like sort of one win. day before <laughs> yeah like i decided to just flee and i ended up in the desert every trip nikki takes starts with i decided to go like two days before <laughs> and then i just went yeah yeah so i decided to go in august the event is at usually the week leading up to labor day weekend so it was literally two weeks before i got invited by someone who's now a good friend of mine but at the time we worked together he was at like a company event talking about his camp and I was like, wow, that's something I don't know a lot about it, but that's something that from what I've heard sounds like I would love. Like I've always loved festivals and I've always loved the sense of community as part of like festivals, love the music and the partying and like the 
everything that comes along with it, but I always really love like the community aspect of it. And I, I was just like really intrigued by Burning Man. And he ended up sending me information about his camp and I decided to go. But the event usually, it starts on a Sunday. It's like Sunday to Sunday. Because it was last minute, I couldn't get a lot of time off. And I ended up getting there Tuesday night, which is late. Like most people arrive, like there's a lot of early arrival passes given for like art installations and setting up theme camps and things like that. So most people get there before the event even starts. So I got there three days later and I didn't know anyone. I was in a 70 person theme camp called Sacred Cow and the only person I knew was like this person from work who I wasn't even friends with at the time, you know? So it was a great experience. I was really intrigued by the build, which I didn't experience, but like just being there and looking around and seeing how much was built in the middle of nowhere with such limited resources, knowing everybody has to take everything in and take everything out, like the whole infrastructure aspect of it was really intriguing to me. So I knew that for the next year, I wanted to do it, really do the experience. So the next year I did had quite the opposite experience. I was out there for what, like three weeks? Yeah, I was out there for a week of the build, a week of the burn, and then clean up and then travel home. It was, I feel like it was about three weeks. It's a lot. It's a lot to bring together. It's just like really challenging, but then seeing what you're creating and just like what everybody is creating. Like it's literally endless, like hundreds of theme camps, hundreds of these huge art installations, hundreds of art cars. It's just wild it doesn't feel real but I feel like it has it it did kind of open my eyes up to the fact like I felt like I've always been kind of different like I've known that my whole life that's one of the reasons why my like bus is called blue orchids I feel like a white orchid is so typical and like Jack White has a song take a white orchid and turn it blue like I feel like that's what I've been doing my whole life like yeah turning a white orchid blue and that's probably why we're friends because I've also <laughs> felt very different yeah and like it just to be around thousands of people who are different too you feel like you're at home and it feels comfortable and then you hear and like I've always really cared about my career so I've always taken like a really traditional path but then you meet all of these people who are intelligent or successful but didn't necessarily take a a traditional path and it kind of just opened my eyes to the different possibilities of like what's out there and I feel like lately I've been trying to think outside of the box and beyond what is traditional I've recently left a job for like a really big corporate company just because it's not my style you know and like I'm realizing it's not my style and it's just I need to 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 try something new could always come back to it but I need to try something new I mean, beyond Burning Man, I feel like the the bus is, I've always had a desire to, like, explore and experience other things that are out there and not really be, despite living, being born and raised and currently living in Brooklyn, I don't like to stay in one place at a time. Like, I get antsy. I get bored. I want to keep moving. So I feel like this is an opportunity to do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel like I don't get antsy in that way where I need to keep moving. I'm definitely a nester, but I feel like I'm like that in terms of, like, jobs. Yeah. 
Like, I feel like it took me a long time to realize, too, that I will never just be at, like, one place. I need to satisfy an itch in a lot of different areas, yeah, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. So you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. But I think that it's cool that that just kind of inspired your decision is seeing all these people, like, working together. And yeah. that's, like, what you want it's like, a commune society yeah <laughs> you want to go live on your farm i do and become a cult leader <laughs> i do wait wait until we tune in next time <laughs> yeah cool you're gonna learn from things like that yeah and learning is growth folks mm-hmm. you heard it here first. that's when i should have started out actually this when happiness is learning like that i think is actually where I'm the most happy and that's actually one of the reasons why I like to I'm looking forward to like selecting specific people and projects to work on and people to work with because I like to be learning constantly um, both when it comes to like shifts in industries and various positions within businesses organizations etc but um, while contributing you know like it's just it's um, it's exciting I feel like when it comes to how happiness relates to what I'm about to do, like I've never actually, and I could be wrong, I could go out there for a few months and not really like it and decide to make another change. But like, I don't think I've ever made a decision that's been a big decision that I've been so certain about. Like in the past, a lot of my major decisions in life that I've made, like for the most part, they were for the best and bettered my life. But I feel like I always had doubts and I feel like this time for some reason, I don't have any doubts. It's good. It's how you know your soul's on the right path. Yeah, baby. <laughs> you know, in talking to you more in depth about it, I understand it. Oh, shit! <laughs> I still want to slash your bus's tires <laughs> and replace them with cardboard tires. <laughs> but I understand it, and I think it's awesome that you do have the courage to do something like this because I think a lot of people would really think hard about it and probably never do it. And, you know, I'm not talking smack because I'm probably one of those people, but yeah, I don't know. I think you were saying the other day, like, it'll be good because I love to learn too, but I think we both need to learn in different ways. Yeah. And experience different things in order to, like, get to the core of who we are, really. So, yeah. I don't know. All right, girl. Well, this has been a pleasure. Always a pleasure talking to you. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Well, we do rarely speak, so it's always fun when you come in (laughs) into the studio that we're not in. We're at my apartment. All right. At this rate, we're never going to wrap it up. (laughs) Thanks, girl. Sure, I'll be back. Good luck on your bus adventure. Thank you. Because I'm not going to see you before you leave. Bye. Bye. Let us feel fun in every situation. Don Valdez empty set in a decision. Hey, good vibration, you know? Hey, guys. Oh, I'm trying to do like different impressions 
that wasn't even an impression. I don't know what it was, but uh, trying to start these post shows off with a bang. But yeah, hope that was a big enough bang for you. Uh, it was a little frightening for me, but here we are. So I hope you enjoyed listening to Nikki. I think that she has a, a lot of very rich life experiences, and it's always a pleasure to listen to her. But as she relates to the five keys of happiness, I think she is 100% in the taking action phase. She is going out there. She is making a choice. She is going to try it out and see if this is how happiness can find her. So yeah, I definitely commend her for that, especially for making these huge kinds of decisions. As I mentioned, I will probably never be leaving New York on that kind of journey. So I think that it's really big, especially for something like that. And I even think when someone moves out of state, it's a huge deal and a huge shot at changing things so that you can be happy. And that takes a lot of guts for sure. But sometimes I feel like um, maybe the taking action phase can happen a little too soon. And so I feel like even if you're taking action, you still have to be working on finding your acceptance, you're letting go, finding your emotional support system, embracing your solitude, etc. I think it's really hard to skip all of those steps and just jump right to taking action. So as long as, I mean, if you do take action, and work on those things simultaneously, it could be okay. But I think if you take action too soon, it could actually regress you in those other areas. Because if you fail, for instance, and failure, I hate to use that term, but let's say if you don't succeed, because success looks totally different for everyone. So if you don't succeed to the expectations that you're holding yourself to, I think that it does cause like an inner turmoil, like, oh, why couldn't I just do that? And it was so stupid of me to take that chance. And I knew I shouldn't have taken that risk. And all of these things, these negative thoughts come flooding into our inner monologue, as I like to call it. So if you have a working relationship with trying to find acceptance and saying, you know, this is my life. I accept what's going on, but I'm not happy with what's going on. And those are two totally different things. If you realize what's going on, but you don't like it, by all means, go ahead and change it. But I think that a lot of us tend to not accept what's going on, which is different than being unhappy, because we're not really looking at what's going on. We're just trying to figure out how to escape what's going on before we accept it. I hope I'm making sense, but making these kinds of decisions before we're ready can sometimes backfire. So I think that Nikki is ready and she is taking action. She's tried a bunch of different avenues in life before and is deciding to do something completely different. But I think, yeah, just to take note of where you are and make sure that if you are taking action, You're taking action for 
the reasons that make sense to you. You're taking action to change something, not to avoid something. And that is all my sage wisdom for today. I hope that these episodes are reaching you well and that you're enjoying them and finding them funny, lighthearted, but also insightful. I want to make this a lot more interactive. So please, if you're out there, I'd love to hear your emails. I'm starting a new segment called This Is Why I Feel Happy Today. So I'd love to receive some emails from you guys and hear what may, what's making you happy today, while, why you're feeling happy today. Just want to expand and make this into a communal thing with me and all of you out there in happy land. <laughs> all right. Well, take care. I'll look for your emails. And until next time, peace out. Happiness Is is recorded by Lisa Samuels from her apartment in Sunnyside, New York. Episodes are edited by Laura Estefan. Theme music is Let Me Feel Fine by Don Valdez featuring M. Tissay. Please send all email submissions to project.happy.eleven at gmail.com. That's project dot happy with an ie dot 11 at gmail.com for all other inquiries please visit our website at www.projecthappy.com we'll see you next time